Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Hello, and welcome to the RIA Edge podcast. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect, and we are incredibly excited to bring a very special episode of RIA Edge to you here today. This interview was originally recorded at the Wealth Management Edge Conference and the RIA Edge Conference in particular, May 21st through May 24th. And my special guest live on the stage was Tom Bradley, Managing Director at Charles Schwab Advisor Services. This interview was so productive, so engaging, and so informative that we wanted to bring it to our entire wealthmanagement.com audience. So please enjoy the next 20 minutes of a fireside chat with Tom Bradley, Managing Director Schwab Advisor Services. We're going to move right in perfectly now to our next visionary power chat here, where I am thrilled to have Tom Bradley, who's the managing director of Schwab Advisor Services. Tom, many of you may know, but Tom has been in the RIA space for quite some time and is one of the smartest, most experienced, and most interesting people I've ever met here. So a warm round of applause for Tom Bradley, please. We are very lucky to have you here today. Thank you for making time for our. Oh, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be here. You got a stellar lineup. Cheryl, I go way back with Cheryl. It was great to hear from him. And, He's and running I, a phenomenal business. So congratulations on your success there, Cheryl. And, and I think that there's so much crossover between the worlds that you're both living in right now. And Cheryl outlined these five megatrends, right, that he's seeing or sort of reshaping the future of wealth. We'll talk about some RIA megatrends as well. And I think the number one theme at RIA Edge, you've heard me say this here, the one word we're looking at most closely is growth. Right? And I know that you're right smack in the middle of thousands of different firms that are thinking about how they can grow, thinking about the challenges that are related to growth. But before we jump into that, I know that a lot of people here are probably familiar with your history and your background. We'll just take a moment to say what you're focused on at Schwab right, these days. And specifically yeah, Schwab sure. So, I, so if, if for folks who aren't familiar with my background, I spent 31 years at, at Ameritrade, started there in the 1980s, if you can believe that. I know I look so young, it's hard to believe that, the 1980s, but I worked there for about 31 years. When I left there, I was the president of their broker-dealer, running their retail business. But I ran their advisory services custody business for many years, started that in the 92, and, and ran that for uh, quite a few years. I left there in 2017, and Schwab recruited me to come in when they announced they were buying Ameritrade, because they thought maybe I could be helpful. And hopefully that's exactly what I'm doing. So I'm in charge of the, the integration of the advisor services custody business into Schwab, Ameritrade to Schwab. And I also run a part of their service business as well. Sounds like you might be busy these days, right? So we'll yeah. make this quick, but really efficient and powerful. We're going to talk about growth. And I think Schwab does some amazing research. I'm a huge fan of the benchmarking research that Schwab Advisor Services has been doing for years. The outlook research in particular is one that I've always been interested in. And when we look ahead, I think it was about 93% of the 
advisors that participated, RIAs that participated in the outlook, said they expect to grow over the next five years, right? And the average growth rate of net new assets was 17%. All right. One, what do you think of that? Is that high or low? And then two, as you look at the firms that'll sort of outpace and grow exponentially more, what will they do differently? I mean, 17%, that's not bad, right? I mean, sure talked about growth and multiples. I mean, the higher your growth rate, the higher a multiple that, that someone is absolutely going, willing to pay for you. Actually, in that time I spent in between Ameritrade and Schwab, I worked with a lot of the private equity firms. And they are 100% looking yep. for growth. And, and Cheryl talked a little bit about this too, just the opportunity that's out there. And you've got $70 trillion in investable assets in the United States. I think it's about 38 or so trillion, according to one of the studies that, that we have, that's in invested, that's invested, that actually under advisement, I should say. Mm-hmm. And REA still only have a small portion of that. Yet, RIAs continue to be the fastest growing business in financial services. Take note, right? And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason for Schwab's phenomenal growth, too. It's because RIAs put the client first. I mean, it's not that difficult of a concept, right? Sure. Put the client first. That's, you, we hear Chuck Schwab say that all the time. We have a strategy. It's kind of on our wall at Schwab. It says, see things through clients' eyes, and it all kind of ties together. So, I mean, that's, you keep that client focus, putting them first, and I think the RIA space will continue to grow for many years to come. I would agree that we're in the early innings, right? And I think there's an incredible amount of growth potential, as you've alluded to. I'd be interested to really kind of look forward and maybe talk a little bit about the quality of some of the growth we've experienced. I think it's important to note that while a lot of RIAs have doubled or tripled in size over the last 10 years, let's call it, a lot of that has come from market appreciation. And when you really peel it back and you really look at the typical organic growth rate of an RIA firm, it's sort of flat in many cases, average firms, right? Not the exceptional firms. If I'm in the audience and I'm assessing the quality of my firm's growth, right? And then thinking about how I want to make investments, whether it's in marketing or technology or human capital, what's the right framework? What's the right way for thinking about my next steps in investing in growth? Yeah, I mean, RIAs certainly are known as a group as being the greatest marketers on the face of the earth. And in some cases, that's fair. In some cases, it's not. I think you certainly have exceptions to that. You have some of the unbelievable marketers in this space, the Fishers, Adelman, Financial Engines now, that have done an unbelievable job. But as a whole... If you talk to advisors and ask, where is most of your growth coming from? It's referrals, yep. I mean, right? Yeah. No shocker. And, and it works and it works well. I think some of the things you have to think about are how do you accelerate that? To think about on a, from a marketing standpoint, running ads on television, I mean, forget it, right? It's just, I mean, I had marketing, was in my world when I left Ameritrade and we were spending nearly 300 million dollars a year. Schwab spends hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And that's just off the table. But there's a smarter way to do it. And I think that's to look for ways to accelerate what's working for you today. And very likely that's on the referral side. And then look for other opportunities that are more cost effective on the digital side. But I think even before you think about accelerating your growth from the income and incoming assets, you have to think about, okay, well, Where's it coming from today? And what have I not tapped into? And we usually just split it up 
additional assets or increase share of wallet, more assets from your existing clients. Mm -hmm. I guarantee every advisor in this room is sitting on top of an opportunity there. More assets from your existing clients. And you got to ask yourself, if you're on top of an oil field, how are your drills? You're right? Are you trying to drill into the oil, additional oil with a hand drill? Or do you have the latest equipment, right? Are you really being smart about it? So think about it from that perspective in terms of increasing share while with clients. And then uh, how are you bringing in new clients? And again, that goes back to referrals or other methods that you have and lean into what's working really well. If it's not working really well, then forget about it. Set it to the side and focus on what is working. Yeah. And then I think the last thing, and maybe we'll get into this in some other questions, is sure. your foundation. Before you're putting more floors or additions on your house, make sure you have a strong foundation. Absolutely. And that goes to the back office. It might be outsourcing, or it might be doing investing in technology. It might be doing many other things to make sure you have a solid foundation to handle that growth. Yeah, I think that's a great point. One thing I would add, I love the oil analogy and the drilling. And I'll just add to it a little bit. You also have to think about where there are leaks, right? Because I think the average firm is probably seeing four, six percent withdrawals or losing client or client attrition. Um, so you have to think about that hurdle rate too. And that adds to some of the low to no growth that organically a lot of firms have had to deal with over the last few years. More specifically though, on your point with the framework and the foundation, right? I think that's something that's come up here. I've had some conversations just over the last 24 hours with firms that have done really well, right? Not just from the markets, but they've put in good marketing, good business development. They've grown 10, 15% net new assets per year for a couple of years, even in challenging markets. But there are challenges that are associated with that if you grow too fast or if you haven't built the right foundation, as you put it. So one, what are some of the most common challenges that you're seeing from firms that have fortunately experienced growth? And then two, what do you do about it? Yeah. I mean, I think for every advisory firm, there, there are similarities and there are differences, right? I hear advisors complain about compliance all the time. So just make sure you don't chintz on that. I mean, compliance is something where you want to make sure you have an investment in terms of the right personnel and the right systems and that you are all over that. Now, the, what you don't want to do is you don't want to take the people in your organization. You don't want to be pennywise pound foolish in terms of who is your your chief compliance officer. It certainly shouldn't be the person that's also trying to bring new business into the organization. Don't waste that talent, that expertise on something that maybe they're not meant for, right? Mm -hmm. So think about, make sure you have the right person or people and systems in place around things that really, really matter. And, and then also when you think about some of the challenges that you have out there like compliance, there are also advantages to it in that it creates a little bit wider of a moat around, around your business and the RIA space. It makes it a little bit harder for anybody to just come in and get into that, that, that space potentially. So it could also help you from a competitive front Definitely. as well. And I should just to stay with this sort of point on challenges related to growth for one moment too. I should add I've had some conversations with some people here who have said, it's frustrating because if I add a new client, right, I feel like I might be taking away from the service I'm delivering to my existing clients, right? So this is a capacity issue for a firm that is not 100 people, right, but maybe in the 15 to 25 range. So how do you address something like that, right? Is that a capacity issue? Do you need to hire? Is it more technology? Is right. it all Mark, that's a great question. And sometimes it's all of the above, right? So it's talent, it's technology. Let me give you an example. One, a story that I was directly involved in, the iRebal story. iRebal is a <clears throat> portfolio rebalancing system that is now at Schwab. It's being integrated into Schwab Advisor Center because it came from Ameritrade. 
We actually have a handful of clients on it now, and it'll be ready to go after our big conversion weekend, which is Labor Day weekend. But when I was running the custody business at Ameritrade in the mid-2000s, we had about five advisors that were just bumping up against a billion dollars came to me and told me the system that they had created called iRebel. And they said, what was happening is as we approached a billion dollars in AUM, and when we went to do our quarterly rebalancing, we found that the quarterly rebalancing was starting to take longer than a quarter to get through all of our clients. Essentially, they had hit a wall. So they went and they hired somebody to create a system that would automate all of that rebalancing. I went to visit this uh, the gentleman who started this for them. His name was Gobind. God rest his soul, Gobind has since passed away. But Gobind was, took me to his office in Marstown, New Jersey. And uh, he took me up and gave me a, was giving me a tour of his offices. And all the offices were empty. And finally, there was one guy sitting in one of the offices. I said, Gobind, where's everybody? And, and who's that? He goes, oh, that's the programmer. He goes, that's it. It's just the two of us. I said, wow, oh boy. I said, we've got a, this industry has a problem here if we're going to rely on two guys to to support the billion dollar plus firms. And so we made the decision to acquire them and build that into our infrastructure so that it wasn't relying on one or two people. And we saw that as something that was really, really important to the advisory industry to help advisors grow. And today, thank goodness, you have many rebalancing systems. We mm-hmm. frankly don't care if you use our iRebal or somebody else's, as long as you're running an efficient back office. And maybe that's outsourcing, but the more time you spend in the back office, the less time you're spending trying to grow your business. And we want you out there. Cheryl touched on this. Every advisor on our platform, they're like a salesperson, just gathering assets because they're trying to grow their businesses. And when they, if we do a great job for them, right, then that next new client will come to Schwab and we will grow our business as well. Yeah, I think what you just touched on is so incredibly important. I also just want to pull on the other side of that thread, which is the talent piece, right? So I've had a number of conversations at this conference and leading up to it with people who own and lead RA firms that say, I'm not really sure when I should make essentially net new investments in talent, right? I know I might be at capacity, say, using the example before, but what if the markets go like this, right? (laughs) And I've added two or three new positions and then my margins go like this too, right? So just in your experience and in your opinion, right? How do you know when it's the right time to make a new investment in talent and your staff? No better time than now, right? I mean, the first thing you have to do is assess the talent that you have. And I think sometimes in any company, large company, small company, sometimes individuals or leaders can be hesitant to address their talent. I mean, there's nothing more important that you should be focused on is making sure that you have outstanding people in your organization. And even a mediocre is, forget it. I've heard so many people over the years say, well, you know, it's... Ah, at least it's 50% of, I'm getting 50% out of them. Forget it. If you're only getting 50% out of somebody, they're dragging other people down, guaranteed. So go through your organization, trim out the folks that maybe would be better off working somewhere else in a different industry. They're just not working out. It's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for them. I guarantee it. And focus on bringing in high quality talent. And you, I guarantee you'll be better off. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of interest in this space, right? So we know that there are lots of opportunities. One of our upcoming panels will talk about that too. So I just wanted to make sure that we got your thoughts on that before we wind down. And of course, we do have to talk about the Schwab and the TD integration, which that's where you're spending a tremendous amount of time. I'm curious, without getting into all the details of all the integration elements and ingredients, Schwab is obviously experiencing some incredible growth right, as a result of that merger. What are one or two lessons or takeaways for you right, from the Schwab TD integration about growth that you think would apply to RAs in the room here? I mean, I mean, first of all, I think that Schwab has experienced an incredible growth as a result of the merger, but really, ultimately, as a result of Schwab's strategy, and that's to see things through clients' eyes, right? I mean, hands down. If we don't have that, if we don't kind of, kind of stay to that North Star, so to speak, that's, that's a built-to-last kind of a strategy that enables us to do things like acquire companies like Ameritrade. And when you're thinking about M&A, right? You have to think about the constituents. You got to think about your clients, your associates, the employees of the firm, and your shareholders. And a deal like that is a win-win across the board, the Ameritrade, the Schwab Ameritrade deal for a variety of reasons. That's how you should be thinking about it in terms of M&A and the RIA space as well. Why is this good for my clients? Why is this good for us as a company and my employees and my partners and the owners in the organization? And how does this bring value? Like with our particular deal, our deal is kind of a classic uh, expense synergy deal. It's where it starts, right? So mm-hmm. we were able to eliminate, we have overlap between the two companies of over a billion dollars in expenses. I mean, that's a huge number, but, but to look, when you're looking to acquire an advisory firm, you should look for that. Do I have overlap in expenses? And, and that if you retain the revenues of the organization, you can eliminate expenses, that drives massive value creation. The other side of that is revenue synergies. You have a variety of rev- revenue synergies. A typical revenue synergy in the RIA space might be the share wallet. What's the share wallet for the firm you're looking to acquire? And do you have an opportunity to inter- introduce an additional type of service or an offering from your advisory firm that potentially could increase your share wallet with those ex- existing clients? And so that's kind of kind of how we look at these deals and how we think about it. expense synergies, revenue synergies is a great, if those two things work out, then it's going to work out across the board. Now, what this particular deal enables us to do as well is drive costs down for the advisors and their clients. I mean, what does it cost to trade in equity at Schwab these days, right? Zilch. When I got into the business in the 80s, it was, you know, 70 80 $90 from a discount broker. Now it's zero. I mean, the unbelievable value that is created for the users of for the services that that we uh, that we provide yet we're still able to earn a very fair profit and invest back into the business so i'll give you an example and this is again think about this for your own business right in terms of making investments back into the business we're investing tens of millions of dollars into our digital platform schwab advisor center that streamlines the way that you interact with your clients and with us to move money, to open new accounts, it's safer, right? Security, interacting with a broker, forget about paper, right? Get rid of the paper if you're tied to it. Think about all the trees you'll save. Get rid of the paper and go digital. It's streamlined and it's much more secure in terms of account opening and things like that. And when I talk about streamlined, one of the big things for us in operations and services work that is not in good order, NIGO work. 30 to 40% of the work that comes into us in the old-fashioned paper-based way, 
not only do we have to worry about bad guys getting in there and forging things, but also 30 to 40% of the paperwork is not in good order. And what happens? It kicks out of the system. It has to go to a human. We have to look at it and assess what the situation is, call you. You probably have to call your client. And it gunks up the system. Digital, almost every time it goes straight through. Not in good order work is in the low single digits for things to come through digitally. So I highly recommend that you explore whoever you're working with, if you're working with us and you're not tapped into our digital platform yet. We've already made incredible enhancements and we continue to invest further in that as well. It's a great place to land. And there has been, I was trying to think about the last time that we talked and I think it was probably about 10 years ago. I, I marry that conversation with this one. The first time I met Cheryl, it's incredible to think how much this industry has changed in 10 years and to even think about some of the conversations we've had around AI and just the emerging technology that's in this space right now, just how vastly different and how accelerated some of the growth opportunities could be in this space over just the next three, four, five years. So, Tom, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I know you've got your hands full right now. You have a little merger that you're still working on here. In a good way. But no, it's a great opportunity a fun challenge. to sit with you and find out what's going on there and what's driving growth and innovation in the space. So, Tom, thank you so much for joining us here. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. That. Appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Tom Bradley. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.